0: Back in 2018, the USDA uh, held a series of drills to kind of test the uh, industry and the federal government and state government responses to if African swine fever got here, right? After China uh, tested positive, we needed to know kind of where our gaps were in the system. Um, And so through that process, one of the gaps we identified that you just alluded to, Laura, was... um, the lack of trained personnel to get out and sample pigs and get the appropriate sample types, the correct sample types quickly and efficiently.
1: It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Healthy Farms by Biovers, your manure management experts. Swine management to the next level. Cloudfarms.com. This episode sponsored highlight is about Adiseo, a worldwide leader in animal nutrition. Adiseo's portfolio of products includes methionine, the full range of vitamins, enzymes, organic selenium, probiotics, mycotoxin management strategies, and palatability products. With such a diverse offering, Adiseo supports its customers with a broad range of expertise, tools, and services to help them maintain a competitive advantage. Adiseo, fueling predictable profits. To learn more, visit Adiseo at www.adiseo.com.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Justin Brown, who's an assistant professor in the College of Veterinary Medicine at Iowa State University. Hello, Justin. How are you today?
0: Hey, Laura. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
2: We're happy to have you on today, Justin. Um, Before we really kind of get started talking about the topic at hand, I'm going to have you give a little bit of an introduction about yourself just for our audience's uh, interest.
0: Sure, yeah. So as Dr. Greiner said, I'm Justin Brown. Um, so I'm originally from Georgia and now at Iowa State University. Um, so I did my undergraduate in animal science and my veterinary degrees at the University of Georgia uh, and graduated from there in 2016. Came out to Iowa State University to do a postdoc and pursue a PhD with um, Dr. Locke Carricker in the Swine Medicine Education Center And then I was fortunate enough to join faculty in 2019, took on some more teaching responsibilities um, and do a little bit of research and um, some professional practice extension work as well. And I'm the lead swine vet for the ISU Swine Farms.
2: Well, Justin, one of the things that we continue to talk about in an industry is foreign animal disease. And certainly we play the what if card a lot around here. And one of the big questions that that it keeps seeping in is what happens when there is a break and it happens to be in Washington County and there's lots of farms that we need to test within the control zone. How are we going to get people there? And so maybe let's just start with you talking a little bit about some of the activities that you've been working on to try to help us work through that process.
0: Yeah, for sure. So back in 2018, the USDA Uh, held a series of drills to um, kind of test the uh, industry and the federal government and state government responses to if African swine fever got here, right? After China uh, tested positive, we needed to know kind of where our gaps were in the system. Um, And so through that process, one of the gaps we identified that you just alluded to, Laura, was um, the lack of trained personnel to get out and sample pigs and get the appropriate sample types, the correct sample types quickly and efficiently, right? There's no way that we had enough people to get out and sample all the pigs that would need to be sampled, especially in some of these counties in Iowa. So um, through a multi-group collaboration um, of National Pork Board, the American Association of Swine Vets, um, us here at the Swine Medicine Education Center, the Center for Food Security and Public Health uh, and the Multistate Partnership for Security and Animal Agriculture. We put in a grant to the USDA NADPREP, the National Animal Disease Preparedness and Response Program, to address that concern, right? To say, hey, can we build a training program to get individuals on farm personnel trained that if ASF or foot and mouth or another foreign animal disease got here, that the state veterinarian could call on those people um, and they could assist their swine veterinarians to um, collect those samples and help us more rapidly detect the disease.
2: Yeah. So maybe we should stop there for a moment because one of the things that comes into my mind right away is, well, I know how to collect samples why do we need to have a training system in place, right? I my vet has taught me how to do this. I can pull blood, I can do saliva samples. Why why is there this conversation around training people?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So, it's really coming down to um that yeah, your vet has trained you, um but this is going to be a certification similar to like your PQA certification, right? That then when Um, the state veterinarian and the state that you're um, growing pigs in or um, you're working in calls upon you to sample that they also have confidence in you. You've gone through this structured curriculum and training program. Um, They know that you know the appropriate way to get sample types um, and that that training has been consistent across all these certified samplers. Um, And so that when they're called upon, The state vet says, yep, I know they're going to get what they're supposed to get and not have to worry about how you were trained and any sort of nuances that might come along with um, differences in individual training programs.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's exactly the key point, right? These are people that are going to be certified. So not just people in the barn who learn through a vet teaching them, but truly been certified to collect a certain way that the state veterinarians are going to need for to send to the USDA for reporting. Um, so can anybody do this training?
0: Yeah, so the uh, the training is geared towards on-farm personnel, right? So um, there's a structured curriculum. Um, category 2 veterinarians can administer the training. So they've gone through veterinary school. They're accredited. Um, through the federal government already uh, to be able to be called upon to collect sample types. Um, In Iowa specifically, those vets have to go through an additional training um, through the Iowa Foreign Animal Disease um, PrEP program that they have. And um, so it's administered at the state level. But then anyone that works on a pig farm or works in conjunction with pigs or is some way affiliated um, with swine production could be trained, right? They just have to be approved to go through the training by that category to accredited veterinarian, because that's who they're ultimately going to be submitting the samples under, right? Either that category to accredited vet or the state veterinarian.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. So as a producer, uh, if I'm interested in this program, what do I need to do?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, not every state is currently utilizing the program. We have about 18 states that are currently either rolling it out or actively um, training individuals. So you need to know if your state is actively participating. And um, uh, one way you can do that is to go to the website that houses all of these resources that we'll talk a little bit more about here in a minute. But um On that website, if you go to secureportorg slash CSSC for Certified Swine Sample Collector, um, there's a SAHO contact list. And so what that is is the State Animal Health Organization. And if your state is listed on that list, they're actively training. And you could contact your veterinarian to talk about going through this program and getting that certification. Mm
2: -hmm. How easy is it to find a veterinarian that's category two? You mentioned in, in the state of Iowa, right, a category two is a certified vet, but now has also undergone additional training. So what are you seeing across the states in terms of ease for producers to find a vet to do that training?
0: Sure. I think most swine um, producers are going to already have an affiliation with a Category 2 accredited vet, especially if they're moving and shipping pigs across state lines, right? Um, So those Category 2 vets are accredited to write CVIs or health papers, Certificate of Veterinary Inspection um, for pigs that are moving uh, interstate. And so most producers, I think, have some affiliation with those. If not, there would be Category 2 vets accredited within the state that um, their state animal health officials would know how to get in touch with them and um, be able to potentially offer that training to them if that's something they're interested in.
2: Okay, perfect. So as a producer, I might be wondering then what does this look like? Does this mean somebody's coming on my farm? Um, You know, how many hours do I have to dedicate to it? Can you maybe walk through some of that?
0: Sure. Yeah, it's probably best to kind of lay out the curriculum and then kind of give a time frame for it a little bit. Right. So so there is a structured curriculum um, for this training program, which was the goal. Right. To have this uniform, structured training program that everybody would go through. And so within that training program, there's uh, three required videos on foreign animal diseases. So ASF, CSF um, and foot and mouth disease. And then there's some resources that you have to go through on restraint of animals, um, biosecurity, and um, sample submission. And then an individual can be trained to either tier one or tier two um, status. So tier one status would be uh, sample types that include oral fluids, oral swabs, nasal swabs, um, and then blood collection from various ages of pigs. So up from pre-weaning, weaning, weaning, all the way through finishers and adults, Um, and then also how to collect blood via ear swab, and then how to collect processing fluids. So an individual could be trained to Tier 1, and then they could also potentially be trained to Tier 2, which Tier 2 includes all of those Tier 1 sample types, as well as some additional sample types like necropsy, and then how to collect Um, spleen, tonsil, lymph nodes, and spleen swabs, and vesicular fluid. Um, There's an optional sample type of tracheal swabs that individuals can go through. And so when the training occurs for each of those sample types, there's a one-page handout um, that's in a PDF format that has considerations, um, supplies that you'll need to collect those samples, and then we tried to kind of whittle that process down to about six or seven steps for, so it's kind of easy for people to understand and visualize. And for each step, there's an illustration. Um, And then for each handout, there's a video that accompanies that. So, and those videos, again, we tried to keep short and sweet. Nobody has time to sit and watch a eight to 10 minute video on how to collect one sample type, right? When they, are needing to get that done. So each of these videos are somewhere two to three, three and a half minutes in length um, to watch. And then um, the trainer would go through all of that with the trainee in a classroom setting. And that can be done virtually. The classroom setting can be, it just has to be live, just like you and I are talking right now. Um, It can't be a recorded training and have to go through each of those sample types. And then once they go through all of those materials, uh, there's a 25 question multiple choice exam, very similar to the PQA exam, right? So I have three attempts to pass that. And then once the individual passes the multiple choice exam, there is an on farm portion of the training where, uh, and that can be done at any farm. It doesn't necessarily have to be that producer's farm if they didn't want other people coming in for a variety of reasons. Um, They could figure out a neutral site, so to say, to get that on-farm training done, where the trainer then demonstrates the technique on live pigs or the post-mortem samples on um, euthanized pigs. And then um, the trainee, the person that's seeking the certification, has to demonstrate their proficiency right? To where the trainer is satisfied with those. So in total time commitment, you could uh, get it done in a day, realistically, right? If you started in the morning with the in-classroom portion, kind of went through that, it takes a couple hours to get through that with the uh, multiple choice exam, then break for lunch, go out on farm uh, and demonstrate the proficiency. And then you could walk away with um, with the certification at the end of the day. And then after that, it's the trainer's responsibility to report those certified people to the state vet in the state they did the training, right? And where that person's going to be able to collect the samples. That way, that state veterinarian knows here's who's certified, here's who's on the list, and who I can call on if the need arises. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very good. So, do we. Have them walk through each different age of production for blood samples, or do we assume if they know where the jugular is on a suckling pig, they can do it on a grow fin pig?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So um, the collection techniques are different, but to go through certification, they only have to demonstrate it on one age of animal. Yep, And then they have the resources to switch back to the other age, right? If necessary. So if they need to do a, a wean pig or a pre wean pig and pick that pig up to bleed, they have those resources. But at least then they already know the landmarks and have been successful in collecting a blood sample on a live pig, um, that they only need to demonstrate it on one age. So ultimately that's at the discretion of the trainer, right? So if the trainer wants them to demonstrate both ages, sure, they may have to, um, but there's no set rule that they have to do both ages. So.
2: Okay. So a lot of this is going to come back then to the trainer and, and where they kind of want to feel that that person is proficient beyond just the fact that they've answered their 25 questions and there are some absolute checks. The trainer may do a couple of extra steps if, if desired.
0: Sure. Potentially. Yep. Yep. So the... The trainer just has to go through each of those sample types and demonstrate those to the trainee. And then the trainee has to demonstrate that they're proficient in those sample types for either tier one or tier two.
2: Mm -hmm. And this could be open to any farm manager or farm staff member. It's not just a producer option or is it just producer owner right now?
0: Yeah, no, that's correct. It could be open to managers, production staff, upper level management within a system, right? Our goal is to just get more people trained. So to, to get out and be able to collect samples, right? I think um, it'd, be, it'd be awesome if every single site um, had their own associated certified sample collector, um, certified swine sample collector. I know that's probably unrealistic and multiple t- people take care of multiple sites, right? Um, but if we could get to that point, that'd be amazing. Um, so, but it would be, um, yeah, really good to have a lot of, a variety of people trained, um, at different levels within a company, right? So farm producer, farm owner, um, different production managers, breeding managers, you name it, they can be trained.
2: You were talking about Tier 1 and Tier 2 and how Tier 1 is more blood samples and processing fluids and Tier 2 is that next step up where they would do necropsies and take tissues from there. Um, do we know kind of at this point what we're hearing in terms of of samples that might be collected in a control zone area or in a suspected break?
0: Sure. Um, so there are approved sample types by the USDA currently, right? Um, And so blood, blood cards, spleen swabs, spleen um, would be the preferred and approved sample types at this point. Um, I think a lot of us hope that oral fluids will be approved um, in the near future, um, if not pretty quickly, if we do get ASF here, right? Um, Especially for surveillance purposes, um, maybe not for diagnosis specifically. But um, it would first lean on those approved sample types. And then, as um, the outbreak kind of s- starts to hopefully get controlled and underway, there might be more sample types that come online and um, changes to actually how we might pull some of these samples um, for detection moving forward, too.
2: That makes sense. I just wasn't sure if we anticipated that we might need to be tier two first um, to get tissues versus being tier one and probably being okay to get samples, um, pulled off from farms. Right. So I wasn't sure Sure. what they were going to be requesting in in those control zones, um, versus surveillance zones. Right.
0: Yep, for sure. Um, so I think ultimately it's going to depend on what the, the trainers comfort level is with, um, their trainees, right. And kind of where they think they can be and what samples they can get. Um, ideally everybody would be trained to tier two and they could get everything, right? But understanding that's not realistic and won't happen. Um, and some people might not be comfortable with that. They might not want to be tiered two, right? So, um, but if we can at least get them to tier one where we can draw blood samples, we know blood's an approved sample type, especially for ASF, um, then that'll be good, especially for surveillance and diagnosis.
2: That's kind of funny because some days my bleeding skills aren't the best. So it's Same easier to here. take tissues than bleed for me. So that's that's yep. kind of interesting, the different levels of tears. <laughs> um, so how about renewal? Do we have to do this every year? Do we have to have a renewal or how does that look?
0: Yeah, great question. So um, the certification is annual. Um, so it's a one-year certification. And then... At that year mark, when you've come up for recertification, if the curriculum has changed, so if additional sample types have been added um, or there's new material within the training, the trainee would have to go back through the whole curriculum again. And then if it's if there's no changes, though, if it's the same curriculum as the previous year, then um, all the trainee has to do is demonstrate to their Trainer that they're proficient in getting those samples, right? So uh, it depends on how that changes. And in the early years of this program, right, we expect to add a few more sample types. Um, We're currently working with the National Pork Board um, through some funding for them to add some additional sample types to the training program. Um, But as we keep developing this and we'll get to a point where there won't be much else we can add to it, right? Um, So that... Training That recertification process will most likely in the future just be a demonstration of um, proficiency in collecting those, and then they'll get renewed for that next year. And there is a 30-day grace period after your certification date. So if you were certified today, a year from now plus 30 days would be your recertification window when you'd have to go back through that.
2: Okay, that makes sense. Um, so probably the biggest question that some people have is what's the cost?
0: Sure, sure. Um, so right now, at least, um, in some of the trainings I've done, um, I can't put a direct cost on it, right? Um, that'll ultimately depend on the trainer and kind of how they're going to, Um, charge for their time and the supplies it's going to take to get that training done. So it might vary. I know there are some states that um, their um, pork associations or their state um, veterinary offices are putting some funding towards that to help get people trained, but that's going to, excuse me, that's going to vary by location. Um, So I can't give you this is what it costs per person to get this done Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just something that the trainee uh, will have to discuss with their, their trainer, their category two credited veterinarian to uh, figure out exactly what that cost might be.
2: Okay. Does this training also then teach our, our individuals how to handle those samples when they're done or, I mean, shipping or where does this kind of stop? Because we're going to assume that they have the potential to be carrying ASF positive samples in their hands. So Where do we kind of consider their training done and and the vet stepping in, if you will?
0: Yeah, for sure. Great question. So um, this training, because we want these people to be able to collect and submit samples in in the stead of the vet, right? So that the vet never has to touch these samples. So um, they collect the samples. There's also resources on sample submission, so how to properly label, package, and ship those samples to the diagnostic lab, including filling out the diagnostic form um, for those. And then that's kind of where it stops for the training, right, is that once they get it to the UPS or FedEx box, drop box, it's then off, it's out of their hands. Um, and then the results, basically, at that point, the samples go to the diagnostic lab, the vet and the state would get the results back. And they would take it from there with whatever actions need to be taken.
2: Will there be required packaging material that will be different than normal sample submissions that um, our trainees would need to know or have access to?
0: Yeah, so not necessarily. Um, It'll ultimately, so very similar question to blood tube types or swab types for different samples, right? So the resources that were developed are um, we built them to hopefully give them some longevity because those things can change over time, right? Where we say, well, this is a new better swab or for this sample type, right? And so um, all of those recommendations are going to come from the veterinarians. So if, um, if ASF was to get here and these certified samplers got called upon to collect samples, then they would, be in contact with their veterinarian and or the state veterinarian and get guidance on proper um, tube, media, um, swab type, packaging type, labels, things like that, that they would need um, to go there. We, this is more the, the bare bones, how to get it, how to do it. And then more further in-depth details are going to come when the need arises for them to sample.
2: Okay, perfect.
0: Yep. Yep. They'll just need to work with their vet to see what sample types they'll are on what supplies they'll need to collect for those certain sample types. And um, maybe it is something where the vet helps them build a kit that they keep in their truck and keep it up to date. And so we don't have expired tubes and things like that. But um, when like if ASF gets here, I think when most people think about bleeding pigs, they think about putting it in a red top tube, right? A serum tube when the approved sample for ASF is uh, going to be a whole blood sample. So a purple top tube, and we don't really carry those around a lot. Right. Um, so that's just an example, right. That that might change on the day they get called upon to come sample. They might need to go grab the supplies they need and then go out and sample. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. That's actually a very good point because most of us would probably have most of these materials on farm in a box ready for our vets anyway, if, if they came for a herd visit and they said, oh, we should take samples. Something looks peculiar for flu or PRRS or whatever, but you're right. We wouldn't normally carry a purple top tube sitting in our barn today. Sure. Um, very good information. Well, Justin, we're kind of wrapping up our time here. Are there any key points or takeaways that you'd like our audience to remember from our conversation?
0: Yeah, I think, um, the main thing, this, these training resources are available um, for anybody to look at. Again, if you go to secureport.org slash CSSC, that'll take you to the website. You can look at the resources that are there, um, the program standards that were developed by um, a group of um, industry representatives, right? So folks that are in production, swine veterinarians um, and others within the swine industry that developed the program standards and the curriculum. Um, there's a frequently asked questions document on that website uh, and then all the resources that are available for those different sample types. And then if you're interested in becoming a certified swine sample collector, talk with your veterinarian um, to see if they'd be able to train you. Uh, and if you're a veterinarian and want to learn more, feel free to reach out to Uh, myself or Dr. Pam Zabel at the National Pork Board uh, we'd be happy to get you more information on the training um, and help get you rolling
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Very good It is time to our famous three Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward looking and innovative companies like Eastman Animal Nutrition Visit EASTMAN.com Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. Genesis, the first power in genetics. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. We have a time and labor saving product for you. Agrislats by Healthy Farms is your solution. No more lugging jugs around the barn every month. With AgriSlats, you simply drop the slat through the floor twice a year, and it works to break down solids, reduces crusting, and forming. To learn more, visit MyHealthyFarms.com. Well, one of the things we like to do
2: before we let you go for the day is is ask you a couple of questions that we ask all of our guest speakers. And the first one is, is do you have a recommended go-to swine resource?
0: Sure, yeah. Um, I probably have a few. A lot of them are just the hallway people I have here at Iowa State, right? Walk down to the next door and talk to them. realize that's not accessible to a lot of people. Um, But um, probably my go-to book, at least, and resource would be Diseases of Swine, right? There's a lot of information in there, often more than I'm even looking for. uh, But that's always the first place I look for information, on whatever topic I'm trying to look up related to swine medicine. Um, so. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think that's the veterinarian standard book for sure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and there's a new edition coming in the future. So.
2: Oh, great. That's yeah. wonderful. We'll add it to my collection.
0: Right? <laughs> same, same.
2: <laughs> that's wonderful. I always like to read them too. I think they have excellent resources and great wealth of knowledge that you can find in one location, which is always wonderful. Um, How about something that's not related to pigs? Is there anything you're reading or have read that you'd recommend to the audience?
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, So I recently did the executive veterinary program uh, for swine health at the University of Illinois. Right. And so um, Dr. Ferkins and Dr. Lowe uh, would typically give us assignments and a book to read. Right. And so, Um, Got into a lot of leadership books and um, kind of self-awareness books, um, those sorts of things. And one of the main books that I liked and took away from that program is a book by David Marquette uh, called Turn the Ship Around. And so he's a um, retired submarine captain. And so it was basically how he went about turning the worst submarine in the naval fleet around. And through leadership and training, um, turn that into the best fleet, uh, our best submarine in the fleet, right? So I think just there's some really good kind of takeaway nuggets within there about how you can really lead people and empower people um, without micromanaging them, right? Giving your people that you're in charge of the power to make decisions um, and also while you're being held accountable and keeping them accountable and getting their buy-in into those programs. So I thought that was a really good book and would highly recommend it to anybody
2: out there. I've heard of that book. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, so I'll put it on my reading list for sure. Um, One last question really kind of comes down to um, a personal thought. Uh, If you could think of someone in your life that you define as successful and that can look however you want success to look, what's a key trait that you think they possess that's allowed them to be successful?
0: It's a good question. Um, There's a lot of people I look up to, uh, especially in this industry. But one in particular, I think one thing they've taught me was whatever task is in front of you, if you define the process to get it done first, you'll be a lot more successful at tackling and accomplishing that problem or that project, right? Um, Rather than trying to whittle away at it from this angle and this angle, if you go ahead and say, here's the problem, here's how we're going to get from point A to point Z and stick to that process, um, it it tends to work out very well. So I think um, that's one of the best pieces of advice and counseling I've received in my young career is define the process and that helps you and of keep marching forward and uh, getting to the next milestone.
2: Mm-hmm. That's very good advice for sure. Well, Justin, I want to thank you again for your time today. It's been a pleasure visiting with you uh, for our audience. This is Dr. Justin Brown. who is an assistant professor at Iowa state university in the college of veterinary medicine. Justin, thank you so much for your time.
0: Yeah. Thanks Dr. Griner, for having me. And, I'm happy to answer any questions at any point. If you want to reach out, my contact information is available on the ISU website. Uh, and thanks again for having me. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you.
1: Imagine if, with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally. You will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.